What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Share the podcast with a friend. Leave a comment on a social media post. Do whatever you can to help spread the word about this thing you can also check out the monthly playlist that i've been dropping every first of the month those are pretty spread out genre wise just a glimpse of what i am listening to throughout the month music from past guests to the podcast and also some of the tracks that i have been spending in some of my recent dj sets so you can find the links for those in the episode notes stay tuned for uh that january one the first playlist of 2023 will uh be coming at you in the next couple weeks excited to get into uh episode 339 of the podcast i had a great time chatting with los angeles based songwriter chris blair aka lost boy crow it was cool to hear how his songwriting and ideas about production have evolved over time and we also geeked out about the movie that thing you do which if 
for some reason you've never seen that thing you do, please pause this podcast, stop what you're doing and go find a way to watch it. I think it still holds up really well. Incredible movie that had such a big impact on myself and my guest on this week's episode of the cast. But big thanks to Chris for jumping on the line and chatting it up with me. I dug getting to know him. He's put out a lot of music as of late, including a brand new record called Indie Pop, which we talk about as well as his previous release, Valley Heart, and some of the collaborations he's done recently as well. Hope everybody is surviving the holiday madness out there. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you're celebrating or not celebrating. Thank you to everyone that came through to my fifth annual holidays party last week. Thanks to Mississippi Pizza for having us. Vanport DJ set was so good and the Frank Irwin Quintet killed it per usual and uh, hoping to throw a few more events coming at you in 2023 so stay tuned for those and let's get into this thing episode 339 lost boy crow is on the podcast we're going to kick off the episode with a track called indie rock off of his new album indie pop which is available on all the streaming services as well as on vinyl and cd check out the links in the episode notes for lost boy crow if you dig what you hear let's do the damn thing said you had a bad dream what if i told you what it means what if i I get lost The new sensation on my darkest thoughts Through arms and legs and walk right in To where you are In the back of my mind, front seat of your car I watched you drive away, yeah. I'm not that bad, but you could do better into it i'm excited to uh chat with you about the the last couple of records that you've put out as well as uh a lot of the collaborations that you've uh done over the last 
few years but uh yeah man don't know too much about your background so i thought we could kind of start there if you want to just maybe talk to me about like what you remember about falling in love with music or maybe your entry point yeah um or the thing that kind of like really hooked you in either as a player or just like a casual listener totally you know i don't i don't remember growing up like as a kid and as a small child and even into like adolescence being like, oh, I want to be a singer or I want to, you know, be a guitar player or anything like that. But, um, my, my father, I feel like a lot of dads back then walking around with the camcorder did film everything and, uh, watching some of that back, I definitely was a performer. And uh, I think I just was, I wasn't thinking of it as like, oh, I want to be the front man or anything like that. But I was certainly always like singing along to things and wanting to put on plays and stuff like that. A lot, of, like a lot of kids, I think. And um, I feel like that was just kind of nurtured. Um, the more like I, I kind of rediscovered that, that love of performing and, and wanting to create. Um, when I was in high school, I had other friends that, were in bands and that was something I'd never even really thought about before. And, um, yeah. So when I was about like 16 or so, I had some friends that were in bands and they kind of got me into it, got me listening to email music at the time. And, uh, I, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of penny with a broad brush, but anyways, they kind of got me into, um, music that I hadn't heard before and wasn't exposed to and really fell in love with. And that's kind of what made me want to, maybe pick up a microphone and write a song and stuff like that. So kind of rediscovering that in high school. Um, and then it wasn't until I was about 17, the choir teacher, I'd been kind of roped into doing choir because I don't know if you know this about, about high school choirs, they're always looking to recruit like guys. They yeah. just want more like, like male voices. Right. Uh, can't have enough. They, they never have enough. So I got kind of roped into that secretly was very excited about it um couldn't end up taking it as a class because it didn't work out with my schedule but i still took voice lessons with the choir teacher on the side and she started giving me these musical theater songs that she thought would be great for my voice and uh, i kind of fell in love with broadway and and just like show tunes and stuff through that and that's kind of what really propelled me as like oh i love love singing i want to work at this I, I like, I'm nervous as hell, but I want to do this in front of people, I think. Um, so I was able to kind of perform and, and have some solos and stuff in high school. And I think um, the fact that that wasn't, that was received with any modicum of like praise or like, hey, that didn't suck. I, I really just fed off that. I was excited. And like I said, my parents were really encouraging. And um, this is a very long winded say, way, way of saying all this, but uh yeah, I think that time in high school, just through friends and bands and honestly choir and and discovering like musical theater and specifically Christian Bale and the Newsies, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, dude. big. <laughs> I know that was big for a lot of us, but uh, yeah. Definitely. So the voice was was definitely like the first instrument. It was. It was for me. I think again, as I'm looking back. I, I mean, we had a piano around the house. It was very fortunate. At the time, I didn't really think much of it, but very fortunate in retrospect that we had a piano. My mom had been given this piano by, by a family friend, and my sister took some lessons. My mom enjoyed kind of 
you know, playing now and then. And I wasn't really into the lessons thing, but I think having that around and just available to kind of even just mess around on now and then, I didn't think of it at the time as like really, again, like working towards something or trying to get good, but just kind of getting a sense of connecting melodies in your head that you hear to something that you are doing with your hands. Um, again, I think that kind of simultaneously along with falling in love with singing kind of, uh, collided again, like when I was like 16, 17 and kind of just having that piano around really helps, uh, just with like a sense of what to do with those ideas and these melodies in my head and kind of be able to, um, kind of hunt around for chords or, you know, what would then become songwriting, I guess. But yeah. Yeah provided some sort of like foundation for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so like, feels very classic being like near 350 episodes of this podcast. of just like how many people talk about how the piano was in the house, well, but yeah. you know, yeah. but you just kind of like, you aren't really interested in, you know, the lessons thing. And, and it like always seems to like come back around for those who, you know, stick with the music thing or, or find it like a little bit later. It's like, Oh, I kind of wish I, maybe I would have had the discipline as a kid to develop those things. A hundred percent. I found out later. <laughs> so I, I did get um, thrown into a few lessons, nothing, you know, really became of it. Um, again, wasn't that into it. It was this family friend of my mom's. And uh, later in life, she was like, you know, he like went to Juilliard and stuff. And I was like, really? I was like, oh, damn, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, yeah, I wish I would have maybe like given that a second chance or something. But so yeah. when you got into doing the choir thing, were you already kind of writing down lyrics of your own of any sort or or did no. it start with like more like diving into the choir getting like interested in in the show tunes and like broadway productions before like any lyrics of your own are coming out well i think i think that was more so the case i know um like, I, I don't really think I ever wrote lyrics before I found my voice. The only thing I can think of is like, maybe when I was a little younger, I liked like, you know, Eminem and like the sand people and some underground rap too. And I, I may have like tried to write, <laughs> write some, some like rhymes. rap lyrics. <laughs> okay. I don't want to say that doesn't count, but that was, it was a very different um, sort of thing process for me. That was almost more like journaling or something. Um, and not really like connecting kind of what was in my head or like trying to craft something specific. Um, so yeah, I, I think I found my voice first and then from there, um, just tried to, you know, be inspired by, by all these new sounds I was hearing and kind of make it my own and, and write from there. Yeah. Did you being someone that wasn't necessarily like playing an instrument at the time that you were diving into the choir thing and maybe didn't really have an instrument to like write along with like the lyrics where, were there people around you? Did you have friends that were like kind of starting bands where you'd be able to like, you know, sing or write to like a guitar player friend or someone that like did play keys or any, any sort of thing like that going on? These are great questions, by the way. And I'm, I'm like remembering as you're asking them, like, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like, honestly, I spent a lot of hours on YouTube, literally just like watching someone play like a Coldplay song and like pausing it at certain stuff like that. And like really kind of, I think that's what made me want to get better at piano and, and later guitar was like, yeah, I want, I want to be able to write. And um, I, I had a couple friends, but no one that was like, you know, great at guitar or something. And, and, and not to disparage them, but it's also like what you hear yeah. in your head is hard to convey to people sometimes, especially when you're not used to doing that. Um, so yeah, it made me really want to get on YouTube and, and click around and pause and get better at like shapes and chords and stuff. So that kind of excelled my piano playing. And then same thing with guitar, like I was in, you know, bands and stuff. And it was kind of cool, like writing with other people sometimes, but especially back then, like everyone wanted to play like really like hardcore yeah. music. And I thought I did too. Cause it was like, you know, it was, it was really cool. It was really new and, and interesting. And, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't like what my vocal abilities and like where my sensibilities wanted to land. So it, that, that as well, like propelled me to like really pick up guitar. Um, shout out my sister who asked for a guitar for Christmas one year. She had this like old Ibanez. It was kind of the piano thing with me. She like quickly stopped playing it. And I kind of, commandeered it and was like all right i think i could figure out some songs on this um yeah that that i think like to your point that really propelled my um me learning those instruments was like i i want to be able to write what's kind of in my head but yeah and this yeah. is all happening in the pacific northwest is that where you grew up pacific northwest yeah Tualatin, oregon okay yeah i'm not i'm not too far from there i live in portland no way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I, I think I did know that. I think I flipped with you because I I grew up yeah. in the L.A. area. No way. Yeah. But, where Where in L.A. did you grow up? Uh, in Riverside. So like 45, oh, yeah. 40 miles east Definitely. or so. Yeah. Definitely. So I've played I've played Riverside a couple times. Okay. Definitely. All right. I also read that you were like obsessed with that thing you do as yes as a younger person. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's so funny. My friend for Christmas last year gave me these like pins of all oh, the dude. members of the band. That's amazing. I, um, I was very, yeah. that, that resonated heavy. I was like very stoked when I saw that yeah. you were like very into that movie. Do you remember like, I don't know, just anything about like what or like any thoughts on why that movie had like such an impact on you? You know, I, I don't know if I've ever like properly analyzed it. I just remember, I think it was the first time in my life that I, I heard what's so fascinating about that movie is like, well, it's just so well written and well done, but like the music that they were able to put together has such like, um, I don't know. I feel like it was the first time I fell in love with music that wasn't just like what my parents were listening to or yeah. like, I don't know. I, I honestly can't really explain it. I think it's just totally my kind of music. And I don't know if that was just predestined from the beginning of time or, or what, but I'm a huge Fountains of Wayne fan. And um, obviously Adam, I think wrote a lot of those songs yeah. and Mike Viola was involved too. And like just that power pop sensibility, I think it was just kind of destined 
to be. But yeah, what what about you? I'm curious. Like, what grabs do you do you know? Like, what grabbed you about that that movie or those songs? Man, I think it was just like the whole thing and just like this idea of this like small town band, mm-hmm. you know, playing the talent show and like playing this little pizza place, and then them just like finding this one hit that like kind of propelled everything yeah. and, and just kind of uh, seeing it. I don't know, t- just taking, taking the world by storm, but getting to see like the destructive nature mm-hmm. of it too. And I don't know, that's just like definitely one of those movies when I saw it as a kid that just like planted the seed of kind of wanting whether I knew I would like end up in this industry or like in this world in the future, like, definitely like one of those things that planted the seed that I wanted to like be in a band and like, you know, totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like it's to the point I didn't even really recall until I was watching like an old, like VHS home video when I was up with my parents several years ago. And there's, there's footage of me, you know, pretending to be Lenny, you know, Steve Zahn's character. <laughs> yes. <was> amazing. <laughs> Um, and like playing this air guitar and yeah, just like switching back and forth between which members I was. And so I guess even early on, like I never thought of it as a career, but like that's clearly I was drawn to that and, and wanted to be doing what they were doing. And it looked like so much fun, you know, maybe until the third act, but yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was such a good time. But also, I, yeah, like, I think you're totally right just about the the music that came out of that too. Like, even though it was supposed to like portray this much earlier time, like an era that you and I were not around for like that, that single, that thing you do like seem to like very much like connect across the board. Right. Yeah. You know? It totally holds up. And yeah, again, I, I'd have to look, I think, I think Adam from fountains of Wayne, I know he had his hand in a lot of it, but just so impressive that like, there's that song. There's all the other groups and bands and singers they're on that tour with these different right. styles, but they're all, they all have this common thread of just like incredible melodies, really timeless, really interesting. And yeah, they, they knocked that one out of the park. That, that movie is just so impressive to me. And Tom Hanks is like, I think directorial debut too, which is super. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Playtone Records, man. Playtone Records. Exactly. <laughs> Playtone Records. Yeah. I love it so much. Oh. So, like, were there other projects of yours before the Lost Boy Crow moniker? Was there a lot of exploring before you started recording under this oh, name? Yeah, for sure. And maybe not a lot of recording, um, which may may or may not be for the best. But uh, yeah, certainly like, you know, I was in, in a lot of bands towards the end of high, end of high school. That's kind of where my focus and attention went. Um, again, just being like kind of green and from the suburbs, like we didn't, we didn't really find ourselves in a lot of studios. Plus back then it wasn't really like, I feel like bedroom producing wasn't really a thing until I moved to LA um, in like 2014. And, and then everyone kind of started doing it. And that's kind of how Lost Boy Crow came about is like, the acts, the accessibility, um, right. was just there. And, and that there's so, so many less like obstacles and red tape between me and like getting my idea out. But yeah, that I was in bands up in Portland and, uh, one in particular, I was in this band called rain the arcade. And, uh, I still really love those songs and those people. And that was, that was really 
kind of my first like indie band playing a Dan Electro, just playing like bars and like, I don't know, just having a good time with friends and really wanting to, to give it like a proper go. Yeah. At any cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and were you, were you always like in these bands you were playing, were you always taking the role as, as front person and you were playing your songs primarily? Um, yeah, I think for the most part. And then, uh, yeah, Rain the Arcade, the, the other singer, there was two of us, we kind of write as well. So it was a little more of like a shared, shared role. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I jumped in this other band for a second called The Ecstatics, and that's what got me to L.A. because they wanted to move down there. So I hopped in this this other band where I was just playing keys and, like, tambourine, singing some background vocals now and again. And um, I could just tell they, like, really, really wanted to, like, do this for a living, and that was very attractive to me, you know, because especially when you're not in, like, a city like L.A., it's always it's interesting. You kind of gravitate to those, those people that are like, Oh, they're, they're like serious about it. Or this isn't, you know, just like, they don't want this to just be for fun. If that makes any sense. So ended up kind of just taking like a background role in what they were doing. And it brought me to LA. And then I ended up just kind of staying here and, and doing my own thing. Did you find yourself always pretty comfortable in that front person role? Or like, did you struggle with any sort of the, I don't necessarily know what the the content of the lyrics was early, but was there was there or is there ever any struggle with like that sort of vulnerability and kind of sharing yourself through songs and your feelings? I think I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. And there's been a couple times, you know, or a couple specific songs where maybe nervous to sing it or just show it to a specific person or a specific like whatever group of people, but. No, I think the the most nerve-wracking thing for me was always just being in front of people and being you almost have to be it's like a level of confidence that almost feels arrogant I think to maybe a lot of artists and that's the part that that I struggle with not so much the lyrics I'm saying like I think that's a really healthy outlet for me I enjoy like sharing that side of me that maybe people don't know or that people can relate to. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just remember paying to play as you do for my first oh, show. Yeah. And uh, just, I really thought I was going to throw up like all over the crowd. Like truly I felt <laughs> it in my, in my stomach, in my chest. <laughs> yeah. Where, where are you at now with it? Like when, as far uh, as performance, you know, I think, I, I mean, I'm very comfortable. Like I, I, as far as, I don't really get nervous. There's like a healthy sort of almost anxious energy, I think, before a show. But uh, I love being up there. I love singing. Um, I love playing. And I feel like now, especially these last few years, playing with people on stage that I, I really love and respect and playing the music that I've kind of always wanted to play, kind of that four-piece like power pop indie rock music, that helps. That helps me feel like it's more of a genuine sort of exchange, more of a genuine like way of conveying like who I am. And it feels a lot less like performing in, in a way of like putting on some sort of air or something that might not be genuine. It feels like more just sharing myself with people. 
that side of myself that was singing and dancing along to that thing you do. It feels like that side of yeah performing and that feels really good. So I'm, I'm in love with it now. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I was curious, like, because you kind of had like some of that, that choir and that <laughs> musical Broadway background, yeah. has that stuff been like difficult to shake a little bit as far as like what comes out in your performance? You know, that's, that's interesting. Um, I think in this, when I was first getting into the studio, it was hard to shake because I had been really um, trying to hone myself as like a choir kid uh, for a couple of years. And choir can be really great. It's taught me a lot about like, I feel like instinctually harmonizing and pitch, but the point is to sound as one and to blend. And so then when I started getting into the studio for the first time, I remember some of the bandmates and people were just like, yeah, like it sounds, and this isn't me bragging, but they're like, it sounds like perfect. Like it's, it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with it, but like, there's no like character there. And I was like, wow, that like really messed me up for it. I was like, man. Um, so I kind of had to unlearn that and um, kind of rediscover like what my voice was. But um yeah, as far as performing, no, I think it only helped like my stamina and my breathing. And then I still would want to tap into to the theatrical, you know, show tune side of things more. I feel like there's some unfinished business there. But yeah, I think I was like more curious about like what you touched on as far as, you know, does it get in the way kind of always having that perfection in the oh, back of your mind, okay. you know, um, and, 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 <laughs> and, you know, trying to bring maybe maybe remove like the stuff you're talking about unlearning and maybe like removing that a little bit and just letting like the authentic feel of like whatever is coming out of the song you know not be overshadowed by that perfection i guess definitely yeah i mean i yeah i think i i let go of the perfection uh element a, a long time ago and i'm sure it's still there sort of deeply rooted instinctually but like it's not something i actively struggle with or think about so i'm sure i think it probably balances itself out pretty nicely um i tend to in the studio or even live just i don't get too precious about things and i think that's served me for sure and as far as like speaking towards what you were talking about is like where you're at with the music now and kind of feeling like you are you know doing the thing that you've kind of always wanted to do or maybe subconsciously, like, do you feel like it took a few records to really start to like, or like recordings to kind of start to carve out your own style or finding something that like feels more authentic to that vision in your head? Like maybe that, that Valley heart record. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Valley heart was and is, sort of like the biggest shift um back towards again sort of like those even subconscious just like power pop sort of indie rock roots um and yeah again like i mean it's almost it's i don't want to turn it into too long of a story but like i think coming from the band's world and scene in portland coming down to la and being able to make songs in people's bedrooms you know with friends for the first time i think i got more interested and excited by a lot of like the production and like 
messing around with synths and just like the electronic element or even singing over like instrumentation that were already like, you know, kind of carved out. And it's like I'd been playing guitars and bars to no one for so long that then when that became sort of the norm, that that was like the new exciting thing for me to do. And so that kind of dictated the sound. And um, I'm glad it happened. Like there was some cool, a lot of cool growth and experimenting from that sound. But if you listen to like the old Lost by Crow stuff versus the new, I think like the spirit of the songs is is very similar, but the sound is, I mean, completely did might as well be a different, yeah. different project. And um, so, yeah, it's been fun. It was fun to kind of, kind of go that route and have that time of experimenting with that sound and stuff. But when I started picking up the guitar again, which I, I had, I put it down for years. Um, when I picked it up again to write, um, which really started happening on the album Santa Fe and then Valley Heart, I realized that I, I just write, I sing and, and the way I write lyrics and the melodies are totally different uh, when I pick up a guitar. And it was really beautiful for me to kind of rediscover that, and fall in love with it. And it was kind of like I hit my head and was like, oh yeah, uh, this, this, this is what yeah. I, what I love about music. And this is really like what feels like the most authentic exciting thing to me so like like you said valley heart i think was a huge turning point and getting back to that sound and i intentionally you know just tried to to make it with a small group of friends and really keep everything like pretty four-piece instrumentation wise and yeah so it was yeah it was a fun challenge to to kind of get back to that space yeah for someone that's like pretty new to your music kind of going through the catalog i think that was like a a significant or, or just like a very clear thing to me, even not like knowing too much. Like when I went through, when it got to Valley heart and kind of like listened to the stuff that was maybe out yeah. before it was like, Oh, there, there's like a big shift here. Yeah. And it just seems like you're just like a little more sure of what you're doing. And like, yeah, the, like the vision just seems like is a little more clear, but I'm also curious, like how long have you been in LA now? I moved down in 2014 and I, and I okay. started recording songs, uh, for Lost Boy Crow, like in the, that fall, that winter, 2014. Yeah. I'm curious how much you feel like the influence of environment kind of like shows itself in the, mm -hmm. the sound of the music, just thinking about like that Valley heart record specifically, and maybe that, that title track just very much screams California to me yeah. for someone that like grew up there. It's like hard for me to listen to that and not feel like some of that, like California attitude is there in some I, of the tunes. You I know? love hearing that. Cause I mean, yeah, it, it's true. Like I, I had made, um, or started the majority of this, the record before in Santa Fe with some friends. And I, I wanted to kind of do these locations based experiences and then that next album i realized that I'd, I'd just been writing everything kind of by myself for the most part in my apartment off of valley heart you know in in the valley <laughs> in la and so i think just subconsciously that's like you said that's where the sound wanted to go and that's what the album wanted to be called and it's really interesting too because my i one of the bands i was in in portland i feel like we had 
had kind of this surfy sound. And at that time, it was like us longing. We like wanted to move to California. And it was the sense of like adventure and like, you know, if we could just make it down to California. And those, oh, that's kind of what the theme of the songs were. And then to actually be down here. And I feel like accomplish that like sonically is that's that's cool to hear that you you feel that way too because i mean obviously that's that's where it came from for sure and, and, and what it yeah ended up sounding like to me so I just love that I think about music in general is that like you can often like identify something by region like that and not everything you know some some things are like an enigma but I think it's like a very really like it's a very cool thing that I think like exists in within the music culture that like things from the south sound different usually than like all of the midwest emo and like the stuff out of new york usually strikes me as a very specific yeah we all know yeah right or like the stuff out of new york always feels like very hip and like ahead and like the west coast stuff just definitely has like that attitude and some of that swing that like exists in the valley heart yeah, I, again, that's really that. That's very cool to hear because I, I feel similarly. It's not something I actively think about, but I do hear that a lot. That it feels very like West Coast California sunshine, and I guess that's how I'm that's how I'm feeling a lot of the time. So I'm glad. Yeah, that like specifically the back half, maybe like the last three songs of that record are like some of my favorite mm-hmm. songs of yours. Oh, it just like you. seems like you tapped into something like thank with you. the the delivery and like maybe leaned a little harder into like the rhythmic um, mm. quality of like the vocal delivery and whatnot. Oh, cool. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you. So like along with, you know, all the songwriting you were doing was like a big part of what you were doing with your time when you were got out to LA, just like kind of immersing yourself in production to some degree so that you could like facilitate your own bedroom sessions too. You know what? No. Honestly, um, I think that comes maybe as a surprise to a lot of folks, but it's just something, I don't know. I think it's a combination of, I don't, I end up working on music quite a bit, but I don't like have, I've never figured out or felt motivated to like have my own set up to be recording every day and i don't know why i have nothing against it it's just never i don't know it's like i don't i don't like to just write every day like for the sake of it and i know a, a lot of people do and a lot of people do that but to me it's like i just spend my days kind of like gathering things subconsciously and then when i have ideas i have like you know three ideas and they're all they're not going to be like attempts like they're going to be 
songs that are going to be written and recorded and I'm going to be really happy with them. Um, so yeah, I think maybe it's because my process is a little more like, let it come to me. And then when it's time, like I'll get in with, you know, my, my buddy Sam or my buddy Marty, and they can kind of help me take it, you know, that last stretch and, um, kind of, I don't know. And and maybe it's the perfection thing too, of not wanting to like be bad at vocal production for a while, (laughs) you know, like I want to record it and I want it to sound good right away. And I know there's just, I have some good people in my life that can do it really well, like (laughs) right away and, uh, you know, have a quick turnaround. And so I think just being blessed with like those really good friendships where it doesn't feel like this is, something that I have to compromise by taking to someone else. It's like, no, yeah. I'm like just out here collecting all these ideas or, or maybe writing a complete song, start to finish in my room. And I know that I can hand it to this person who's going to be able to help me get it to sound the way I want to. And also maybe just offer a fresh perspective. I think that keeps me from going um, insane a lot of the time too. And I, and I have, I have friends that do everything. They write, produce, record, mix their own stuff. And I mean, at more power to them, but I know it takes a toll. Like it takes it, it, it really, it's, it's hard to keep the flow of creativity sometimes when you're doing a lot of the technical stuff. And maybe I've just seen that as well. And been like, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I, we, why we have a good thing going. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good when you know like what you want to invest your time and energy into as well. Like it seems like yeah. you know like if you're not super you know interested or like wanting to go deep on the production yourself, like just spend your time writing your tunes, you know? Yeah. Like you're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. If it, if it ain't broke, I guess, you know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it sounds like you got some some people around you that kind of help you get out of your own way and like can help you hear things with the with clear ears cuz I would imagine, you know, just spending a lot of time writing tunes that it's you know, it's hard to know what is actually maybe good sometimes or, you know, what is worth throwing down on a record. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think good songs are like, there's, there's a lot, there's songs that like you're alone in your room and you can write the whole thing start to finish. And those always, it always feels great. It always feels really natural. And then there's other songs where maybe you get it like 50% of the way and then you're singing that 50% you know, all week being like, man, I love this, but I I've almost heard it too many times. I don't even know like where to go. And then just being in the room with someone that you trust. Like, again, this is like a community I've been able to cultivate over years of like people that I trust that I know, trust me, if I have some crazy idea I want to throw out, they're going to, they're going to roll with it. And that's, I think been really important for me. It's just that like trust for sure. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the experience of making your newest record indie pop. Like, was there any major changes in the way that you made this record or just like anything in the process that was a new approach to what you were doing? Yeah. I think kind of like the, like Valley heart too. I didn't realize I was making it when I started it. Um, and then quickly, (laughs) 
quickly realized it, it was it want what it wanted to be. Um, so with Valley Heart, I worked with, you know, the, a lot of those, uh, a few of those close friends kind of over over a long period of time and um, got some really cool musicians that I love to play with on the record. And then with Indie Pop, the one after this new one, um, again, after having toured more with with a four piece band and all of that, I really wanted to hone in on just that sort of almost sim simplistic like four piece sort of minimal sound and see how much I could do with that uh, with kind of those parameters and kind of run free within those within those guidelines so um, I, I've been working with my friend Chris Chu who's a, a great friend and honestly a hero of mine he's in this band called Pop Etc they used to be called the Morning Benders I was massively into them when I was up in Portland. And uh, so the, when we connected down in LA, I was, um, I mean, I almost didn't even have time to be starstruck just because he was such a, a, a welcoming, genuine soul that we kind of just hit it off right away and wanted to work together. And I think we'd done a couple things before this album. And then I just started hanging around all the time. I would go over to his house. It was just he and I, and we started writing all these songs. And that's how the entire album was made. It was just Chris and myself playing every instrument on the, on the record. And then when it was time to record live drums, we got my friend Cole Peterson, who's played with me live forever. Um, he laid down everything and that was pretty much it. So to me, that was, I love working with all the people I work with and I continue to work with them today, but like, it was really cool and special for me to be able to make a record that was totally streamlined. It was just me and Chris and Cole played drums, the end. And I loved that. That's kind of, I don't know. I don't know why it was just a like a mental thing for me. It was just really special to be able to have it be so simple. And I think a lot of the music I'd made in years prior, had been, um, again, I'd, I'd been blessed to work with a lot of different people, but when it came time to make projects, you're getting a lot of different hands on it. And so that kind of maybe lacked some cohesion as far as like the sonics of, of the record. And so for this to just be the most minimal hands, the fewest amount of people touched it, uh, it was really special to me, if nothing else. And, and I hope it translates in the, in the music, but yeah, the process was, was definitely different in that regard. And, meant a lot to me yeah i think it's a cool follow-up to what you did with valley heart and it like it f definitely feels like it lives in a different world but does like carry that familiar spirit of your your songwriting and that previous chapter mm, thank you yeah yeah it felt like and honestly some some of the valley heart records were made i think even at the same time as some of the indie pop ones so it's definitely like there's a there's a gradient for sure. I appreciate that. Because it was made or like kind of around the same time or like, you know, writing those songs around similar times, was it easy for you to identify like uh this one definitely doesn't go with the Valley Heart feel like let's save this one for the next thing or like for later. Totally. If I mean I think I think the defining factor was just Chris, Chris and I, and it was like, okay, I, the songs that we're doing together, I think it's going to be its, its own thing. Yeah. Um, and there was two songs that came out 
or no, one song that came out um, after Santa Fe, before Valley Heart, called Moonlight that Chris and I did together that could have easily been on indie pop, but this was like with 2019 or something. And um, it was part of that batch. I think it was the first song we, one of the first songs we'd written together. And so, yeah, those kind of encapsulated the Valley Heart era, but kind of, I knew it was easy to decide, I guess, just because Chris and I had this thing going and it very much like wanted to be its own thing, even if sonically it kind of, you know, overlapped a little. When you think about the sequencing on the record, what spoke to you about Chewed Up being mm-hmm. the opener? Um, I think uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think Chewed Up is kind of the quintessential. This is the sound I want people to associate with the album. I mean, the album I think is pretty cohesive, but it's still, you know, there are songs that are more. Um, I guess poppy there are some songs that are a little more dreamy and I think chewed up for me it was the perfect like not slap in the face that's aggressive but just like a, a like nice little wake up to like no this is this is indie pop you know it's it's got the right tones and and melodies and gang vocals and and the things that I want people to you know if they click on that first it's like yeah this is this is what you're gonna get um, I think it's closest to what you what you get live too. Sorry for the headache, yeah. Oh, back when we were 17, but the rules have changed. Now they play the keeps and I keep away. All your friends say you wish you were somebody else on a Wednesday. Singing in a dive bar. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. The fall and winter months are upon us and North 45 has a rotating cocktail menu to keep you warm throughout the rainy and cold season. The rosemary garlic fries are my go-to item on the food menu. The fry sauce is absolutely lights out and their kitchen staff is always getting creative with daily food specials. Aside from it being a great neighborhood bar for food and drinks, they've got one of the best patios in the city, which is heated and covered. The patio has a ton of TVs, so you can watch all your favorite sports. And on Sundays from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., they've got local DJs spinning jams, curating the music, both on the patio and inside the bar. So come through for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, speaking of uh, the live show, like when you're making a record, are you thinking about how these songs are going to transfer to the live show? Or is it just more about making the best song possible in the studio and worrying about how things are going to come together in the live show later? I think it's such a balancing act. I think both. I I really, um, I think for Valley Heart and certainly some of indie pop, I was focused on how it would sound live and like what we could play live, what I could play live. And I think that's fun. I think it's fun to think that way, especially when you've been, the more you tour, 
kind of take that with you back in the studio. And now I'm in a place where, um, kind of what the next, the next album will be, which we'll hear someday. Um, I'm trying to get out of my own way a little bit and be like, no, let's let the song be what it wants to be. Um, you know, if there's more than four instruments on the song, it's okay. Like, let's let it be what it <laughs> wants to be. And like, let's really just explore the space. And the, like you said, like the heart of the song and kind of worry about the rest later. Cause that's what we've done. Like with, with this band that I've been touring with now, it's like, that is kind of part of the fun too, is figuring out the songs that weren't written as a four piece band and be like, okay, what, how do we make this ours and how do we make it awesome? And, and how do we make it, you know, rip? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm always a fan. Like if it, you know, has to sound a little different live to, you know, fill in the gaps of maybe where the production was. Like, I think all of that is great as long as like nothing feels missing, you know, like it doesn't need to be yeah. this replica as long as it doesn't feel like empty in some way. No, totally. I, I feel the same way. And I think that's allowed me to be a little less precious in the studio as well as, is being like, well, let's say I don't have like the greatest vocal day, like technically, or if, or if I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm compromising too much, but like, I'm not that precious in the studio because I know we're going to reinvent this a hundred times on different tours. And, and we have those opportunities to make it, you know, make improvements or make it, you know, more unique in some parts or to experiment around vocally. It's like, let's, let's get this out. Let's let it be what it wants to be. And we're going to reinvent it hundreds of times, you know, if we have any, anything to say about it. So as far as your songwriting, it sounds like, you know, like you mentioned before, there's like those songs when you're writing them, you, you have like that clear vision kind of front to back and know what it, what you want it to sound like. But as far as the indie pop record, was there any tracks on the record that like completely surprised you as far as what their, their final production ended up being and maybe just Mm. pretty far from maybe that initial idea? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) I'm trying to think now. Uh, It's been so long. Cause yeah, we, we made most of the record in, I think 2019. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And so just been kind of sitting on it. And then like, I, added a couple songs. I wrote the song Villains. That was one of those start to finish songs, just kind of is what it is and wrote it in one sitting. But I think Quiet Nights probably was took the biggest turn. I kind of started writing it again alone in my apartment and it kind of almost had this like musical theater chords, melodies at the beginning. And then Chris really helped me tie it in, I think, to the record, uh, to the album. And really added a lot with even just like bass playing and like production stuff. But I think strangers in a place we used to dream is kind of another similar, like dreamy song started writing it in my apartment, got in with Chris on it. And again, just able to, to kind of take it somewhere that I wanted it to go, but didn't really know how to articulate maybe like in wanting to keep those songs kind of gentle um and maybe subdued and dreamy but also you know making them fit with like these sort of indie rock songs and uh, i think chris was really good at that again even just with like his bass playing or you know his musical all his musical sensibilities but yeah 
Is there some kind of relief on your end finally having this record out then? Oh my goodness. Since you've been yeah. sitting on these songs for so yeah. long? It's it's relief and and it's exciting for me again, you know? Like we had so many of these songs done forever and to be able to tour uh even before the album was fully out but tour these last couple months and play a lot of these songs for people that really gave me like a new perspective on these songs and like hearing people uh, be excited about them for the first time discovering these songs and discovering us like yeah i mean i've, I've just heard i'd heard these songs a million times and so watching other people react to it again whether it's on tour or just when the album came out just posting about it on Instagram or, you know, whatever, um, or at the release show. It's like, yeah, that it's pretty, it was mind blowing to me. It was, it was really like exciting and totally breathed new, new life into the project for me. It's very cool. What do you, uh, appreciate about the music you've put out in collaboration with other people that maybe you don't feel like you get out of just writing on your own? I mean, I guess it depends on the on the collaboration and the song specifically, but a lot of the stuff uh, that I collaborate on is with, you know, friends. And again, come back to that, like trust and and people that I really respect that either we're just so, um, you know, synced up and on the same page and we want to express that through a song together. Or sometimes it's just people that can do do stuff that I can't maybe vocally or, or whatever too. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of like other, other projects that I've done, like asking for a friend, uh, is really special to me that that's a, a duo that I'm involved in. And, and those collaborations come from, yes, we're, we're different people, different artists, but like we, we have such a love for this certain sound that we get to come together on. And then yeah. 1990 nowhere collaborating with um you know oliver the kid like he can just do things vocally that i could never do and so it's fun to work with him and to write with him and to be able to make a song that uh kind of hits a different gear that i don't think i could ever hit on my own like that's that's all really exciting to me super fun to experiment with so yeah, I'm a little biased towards Gretzky, but that's just oh, because nice. I'm just such a big hockey fan nice. I played all my life and just like that's my my sport of choice so I was like immediately intrigued just by the the titling of that track and then when I dove deeper into it it uh yeah it's definitely like one of my favorites as far as the the collaboration stuff and there's uh like one of my favorite things that happens in that track is there's the ad lib that happens in between like the first chorus and that second verse and it just kind of like like they announce like the name like oh, yeah. number 27 or like whatever like that little piece happens and it just like really sort of like springboards you into the second verse and it's just like this very cool like vibe and and some some cool character comes out of that moment i think thank you i, I appreciate that and uh yeah that just comes from us just being being silly in the room together with the mic and you know just having fun i feel like a lot of those songs specifically and gretzky and like uh, some of those other other songs in that project like it just comes from just having such like a fun carefree time and uh, yeah brian all the kids big big hockey guy too so Seven. 
from the songs you write in collaboration to solo mode can you always feel how that previous collaboration has kind of like infected your writing process like moving forward yeah some that's man that's a really interesting way to put it as well um yeah i think i'm always inspired by working with people that i that i admire and respect and maybe dig a little deeper or or just affirm like oh yeah this is what i do really well i do this part really well maybe not this part but i do this part really well i'm gonna like lean into that and just lean into like what i do and then when you go to collab it's like yeah use you want to lean into what the other person does really well too and and so yeah sometimes it can be really affirming and also just inspiring yeah do you ever uh is there ever times where you're maybe getting in the room with like a stranger trying to write a song and like maybe things don't like pan out and like different, different sort of learning experience there. Absolutely. I try not to do that as much, maybe to a fault. I think just because when you're initially starting out so much of it is that it's writing in rooms with strangers and yeah. Uh, and so I think it can be easy. F- it was easy for me to get burnt out on that. And I think maybe a lot of people do and maybe don't realize it, but it's also a great way to meet people. And like you said, it's a great yeah. way to learn like kind of what you maybe don't want or a great way to just like let things kind of be what they want to be. Maybe you drop the reins. Maybe it's a good lesson t- for you to take the reins in a song or something. Um so yeah, I, I, it's, it's always a learning experience and sometimes it turns out great. I've, I've had a couple really good experiences like that, but yeah, for the most part, it's a learning experience of like just being grateful to know like my process and how I work and how I like to work with people. But, for sure. Yeah. Well, right on, man. I appreciate you, uh, jumping on here with me and, and talking about your tunes with me and, and just, uh, getting to hear how you know, things have progressed for you and like where you're at now with the Lost Boy Crow project. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to finally connect and we'll have to hang in Portland sometime when I'm up for sure. But yeah, yeah. definitely. Let me know. Um, I want to I want to play the episode out with Strangers in a Place We Used to Dream, a track that you uh, mentioned earlier off the, the indie pop record. Yes. Um, is there anything you remember about the writing of this one or just it coming together? Oh man, it was, it's, it gets pretty literal. (laughs) Uh, the beginning of the song, I think just starts off with me looking out a window and seeing a plane fly by and knowing perfectly well that the person I, I cared for wasn't in that plane, but still letting my mind go there and imagining and just kind of leaning into that sort of hopelessness in a beautiful way that was allowing myself to to just feel and get lost in in the moment and that tiny uh apartment you know in LA and just watching the palm trees blow and imagining <laughs> the person I I love in in that airplane but so yeah it comes from a very literal place and then it gets very very dreamy and um yeah let my, let myself 
go in that one. So it's it's definitely special. It's uh it's one of my favorite Thank tracks you. off indie pop and I think dreamy is the thing that like a little bit more of the dreaminess seems mm-hmm. to exist like in this record. Like when thinking about the differences of Valley Heart, you know, Valley Heart it definitely has its own vibe, but this one seems to lean more dreamy. I don't know if you feel that or like kind of you can just kind of lose yourself in the production a little bit differently i think with some of the the songs on indie pop if i appreciate yeah that i i'll i'll take that as a compliment because i think think to your point earlier yeah it was a little less of like okay it has to be a four-piece band even though that was kind of the parameter starting out it was more like let's let the song be what it wants to be and that's really where chris shines as well um in the production so definitely means a lot to me and yeah I'm, I'm glad you like that one thank you so much also uh nobody can see because i don't use the the video from our, our zoom but i i fuck with your stars hollow oh thank your, you I your gilmore that. girls uh, <laughs> tea is pretty it. solid i wear it because i love it but i also wear it because like if if i if someone knows what it is then i know they they can be trusted i know <laughs> like you're, you're a real one for that i appreciate it oh i can thank my girlfriend for that for making me watch gilmore girls like last year crushed the whole thing oh oh and wow I thought, okay Dude, I thought I thought I was just like doing this this silly thing, and then I didn't know that uh, that it's like actually like a really <laughs> great show, and it's like well written and very funny. And I don't, I don't think know. She convinced has, me. I don't think a show has ever known what it is like has ever known itself like so perfectly. Like it is. Don't don't get me started. This is a whole other podcast. I you could argue it's the the greatest show ever made. You know, I'm, wow, dang, you could, you could. Is, all right. there's different, Amazing. Genres, there's different moods, <laughs> different things are accomplished, but like as a whole and just like the way that they've created that world and it's so, uh, light and airy and carefree, but also beautiful and, and the development and like the story arcs, like it's the character arcs rather. I mean, it's yeah. Huge fan. Love it. Yeah. Recommend anyone out there listening. If you haven't, where it's winter time it's perfect gilmore weather perfect time yeah <laughs> perfect time yeah i was just like kind of blown away like how attached i was to yeah. the characters by the end of it and uh yeah then my my girlfriend was able to convince me to watch it because i i really like this show called marvelous miss mazel yeah. and yeah, amy yeah. paladino also wrote that Yep. And she was like, well, you like this, so you have to try this Gilmore Girls well, thing. If you even like Maisel a little bit, like Gilmore is just like the, it's the holy grail. <laughs> it's amazing. And yeah, it's just, just it taking place in such a small, a small enough town where they basically have everyone in the town be able to fit in like that room for the town meetings. And you get to like know everyone. You feel like you're a part of it. I think it's really, Absolutely. really smart. Absolutely. I'm with it. I'm glad you were uh, wearing that. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for recognizing. All right, Chris, uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest of the show saying the tagline, which is it's a program. It means absolutely nothing. It's just the way my grandfather says the news program. He always says program. And uh, so if we could get the lost boy crow, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. All right. I'm ready. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Lost Boy Crow. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with you. And we are going to play it out with Strangers in a Place We Used to Dream from that indie pop record, which is available 
on all the things. And that is the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever you are listening from. The world looks easy in my window frame. There's a plane taking off. There's a palm tree that's swaying And up in that shuttle I've imagined your face Are you closing your eyes Or looking down on me, yeah I check my pocket, watch like the rain Keep pretending I don't Until it's glowing your name Under the arctic sky where I lay Are you wishing at stars Or looking down give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their longtime support of this thing make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that you can also find the link in my link tree in my instagram bio Big thanks to DistroKid and the other sponsors of the show. Stay up, stay tuned.